Hey, everybody. I can't believe it, but we've reached the end of our New York podcast series. This is number four. We've gotten so much great feedback on these latest episodes, I'm thinking we'll have to do it again. But here's the good news. We're ending on a high note. This is a guy I've known a long time. He makes killer wines. He's a great voice for the wines of Washington State. But obviously, most people know Kyle McLaughlin from his career in film and TV. We're going to talk about both. Kyle the actor and Kyle the vintner. I've been looking forward to this for a long time, so let's get right to it. Hey everybody, Doug Schaefer back with The Taste. We are still in New York on our journey of taking The Taste to the East Coast. Here today with a person who I think I can best, des- best describe as actor, winemaker, friend. Kyle, Mc- <laughs> Kyle McLaughlin. Kyle, Thanks, good to see you. Doug. You didn't say raconteur in there. I would appreciate that. <laughs> very, very nice. Kyle and I have known each other for a few years, and, and I met him quite unexpectedly at a winemaker dinner. Not sure if he remembers it. I do. And I was, I was the winemaker, so I was doing my thing, telling my silly jokes and, <laughs> and whatnot. And, you know, partway through dinner, I got up to walk around tables and table hop because mm. people like that. And it's a good, good excuse to get up from my table and, and <laughs> run around. And I approached this table, and there was, it was, oh, five or six people and seven or eight chairs. And uh, there was this guy, guy at the table. And I think someone had said, oh, that guy is that guy. And I didn't know who that guy was. Right, it was right. Kyle. But he was, supposed to, he was supposedly somebody. Which I found out, yeah, he's somebody. In, but his, in his own as, mind. In, but as I approached the table, this guy looked at me and caught my eyes. Mm. And there was a, a person next to him who was, it was very apparent, was basically all over him. She was like, <laughs> not, not physically, just talking your ear off. Oh. And you gave me the look. The look was like... It wasn't desperation. It wasn't help. It was like, it was kind of like, man, if you could help me out, it'd be really nice. So I, there was an empty chair on the other side of him. So I sat down. He immediately turns to me and says, hi, I'm Kyle. I said, hi, I'm Doug. And he said something like, let's just talk for a while. I said, cool. And, um, and we had a wonderful conversation. Yeah, remember, remember that night? I do. I remember. <laughs> I, I, when you were talking, I said, I, I have um, an image of, you know, in, in Roadrunner, how he would raise up a little sign mm-hmm. and on it would be written something. And I, I think I raised up a little sign that said, save me. Save me. And it, but it, it was, <laughs> and there it was, you were. It was great because um, oh. the look spoke volumes. Yeah. But getting to you, so actor, winemaker, friend. So mm. let's start in the beginning. Yakima, yeah. Washington, born yeah. and raised. Yeah, born and raised. Uh, lived there my entire life. Uh, graduated in 1977 from Eisenhower Senior High School. Went to school at the U, where your U- son, UW, 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 yeah, UW Seattle, exactly. And... Um, and was kind of anxious to get out of Eastern Washington, as you can imagine. At that time, there wasn't a whole lot going on in Eastern Washington, unless you were a farmer or a rancher, fruit rancher. And uh, I had set my sights on Seattle and, and the acting thing, and off I went. And, um, you know, come a few years later, let's say, you know, early 2000s, I find myself back in Yakima, back in Washington, <laughs> thinking about uh, starting, a, you know, a winery, um, or at least starting with a brand. Yeah. Um, and uh, really fun to go home, in and see the community and the environment and the and the geography in a completely different way. 
But as a kid, I'm going to roll back to as a kid. Right. So you've got you had a couple brothers, I two think. brothers, two younger and, brothers. Uh, yeah, real close in age. So. Got it. So growing up, it was farm town. You know, we were. Dad was a stockbroker. Okay. We lived in what would be considered, I guess, you know, idyllic suburbia. Right. Uh, you know, green lawn. Uh, we actually grew up in in a development that used to be an orchard. So okay. our tr- our home was surrounded by apple trees that had been there and and turns out um heritage varietals so there were wine saps and pippins and we had a Neat. couple of bartlett pear trees and my dad was kind of a gentleman farmer okay and and grew things he had a green thumb and so we grew up you know with a lot of vegetable garden flower garden growing things very comfortable in that we, world i'm assuming you had you guys you, the three boys out working in oh yeah we were cheap labor cheap labor <laughs> uh, my father did the same thing i had two brothers <laughs> oh yeah i know that drill yeah we uh, we and we tur- actually we turned the knowledge of all the, all the days mowing the lawn and edging and trimming and turning the garden and harvest etc we turned that into a small business you know for high school and oh cool and made some money yeah oh, cool. mowing lawns in the neighborhood you know so Nice. Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, I we do we did things with a lawnmower. It's, you know, you're like, first of all, you're pouring <laughs> gasoline into a hot lawn engine. You know, yeah. you're wondering really how powerful is the motor when you pull and the spark goes. I can't be that strong. And of course, you know, your hand goes numb because it's it's a strong spark on that spark plug. <laughs> oh yeah, stuff like that. Rotary mower, putting our hand in there, getting the rest. Oh, oh yeah, I remember the rotary mower. Yeah, sure. You put your hand on the spark plug to see how strong. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That geez. was just because we we're yeah. kind of idiots, but you know. yeah. <laughs> What's that young male brain development thing? It just yeah. doesn't kick in. Until Not until about well, 20, 25, maybe? Maybe 40, maybe 45. 40. I'm still yeah. waiting for mine to kick in, and I'm, I'm, I'm up there. Anyway. All right, so but you said you went to UW in yeah. Seattle, yeah. University of Washington, and studied, did, did the acting thing kick in in high school? Yeah, so okay, I was so doing was, plays You were doing plays. And uh, it was cool to do the plays. I did a, there was a spring musical and a fall play. It was cool to do the plays, but it wasn't cool to take the drama class. So I never took a drama class. I just did the musical and the plays. And that was, well, that how was could you be in the play if you weren't in the drama well, class? Well, you just audition and, you know, if you make it, you make it. You know, you're good enough to give it to you. I was also in the choir, which was a cool thing to do back in my school. So we were affiliated with the performance, especially with the high school musical, because they, they basically drafted all the people that were in choir to perform on stage. So we did Oklahoma. We did My Fair Lady. We did Anything Goes, you know, full I, on. I did uh, in Chicago. I was in high school for two and a half years in high school. I was right. in choir. Oh, yeah. Okay. We did Flower Drum Song. Sure. Um, and he gets your gun. Yeah, but I had a those real, old chestnuts. I had a real, <laughs> I had a real challenge, because I, I was on the basketball team, and the school I was in was yeah. like, you're a jock, yeah, or you're in the arts, yeah, and you don't go both ways, yeah. And so if yeah. I had to, and the choir teacher, she was great, but she was tougher than a coach. Yeah. If you missed a practice, you're out. Oh wow, you're not in the musical, which I really dug doing the musicals. Yeah, so. The basketball coach would never understand that. He'd give me a hard time. Yeah. And then if I, you know, had to miss basketball or basketball for her, you know, she would not. It was, yeah, you were talking. It was, you were caught it was in the horrible. Yeah, yeah, you were caught in the middle. I had a little bit of that. I had yeah. intramural basketball that I wanted to play. I was actually going to not do one of the plays. And the two leading gr- women, girls, uh, girls at the time, I guess, right. convinced me otherwise. And I saw the light. They, you know. <laughs> That a boy. <laughs> do I want to be hanging out with these sweaty guys playing basketball, which I wasn't really good at, or do I want to be on stage hanging out with really two lovely, lovely ladies? gals? Yeah, lovely gals, having a good time. That was Flirting. my decision yeah. right there. Yeah, 
I think I made the right choice. I think you're a smart guy. Smart <laughs> I wouldn't guy. go that far, but. <laughs> so, all right. So you, yeah, got so. To, you get to UW. Yeah. Um, and you're drinking beer, you're drinking wine, or you're I'm drinking, drinking it all? wine. No, you know, I, even in high school, I, I just, beer, I was like, it just wasn't my thing. I don't know, I have, you know, I've certainly seen the error of my ways now, but at the time, I just, and when I went to Seattle, you know, it was so cold there. Right. I was like, why are you drinking beer? It's freezing. You know yeah. what I mean? I mean, I, I, I got it in a hot summer day, but right. I was like, what's, what's, the, what's the deal? So I said, I really, this wine tastes really good to me. So I was drinking one. Granted, it wasn't very good wine. Sure. But I had started kind of already kind of down that path. Because, you know, in college, you got to drink something. So I thought, well, I'll drink wine. I'll be the odd wine drinking guy in my fraternity, you know. Okay. And that's kind of how I, <laughs> that's how I was known. Um, and he's, he's the wine guy. Yeah, he's the wine guy. Okay. <laughs> he doesn't know anything about it, but he always seems to order it. So, um, and that pretty much carried me through um, the I was in college or in school for five years I had two years of kind of figuring out what I wanted to do and then three years of acting training and um, that was it you know I pursued the wine drinking thing and then when I got out and was working um, you know you can begin to afford a little bit better wine right and uh, so then the process of learning starts you know so that acting thing how were your, how were your folks about that they were, yeah, they were very, they were, nice. I wouldn't say they were very supportive. They were supportive. My okay. dad, he wanted me to take an economics course, which I did. Right. Hopeless, just hopeless. It, I did, I just could not, I didn't understand. I couldn't, I did, my brain just did not work that way. Now, I, of course, I wish that I'd spent a little more time right. in the business world, at least trying to figure it out because of what I'm doing with the wine. But at mm-hmm. the time, everything I tried just sort of pushed me right back to this thing that I really enjoyed and I knew that I was good at, but I really had no idea how you went forward with an yeah. acting So how do you education. do it? You, you come out, you've got a degree in acting. So Yeah, you, I mean, you, and it was severe. We were trained to repertory theater. I mean, that, that was the whole program and it was part of a 10 school um, organization called the League of Professional Training Programs. And they would have small, you know, my class was 13 people and that was the graduating class. And so we were, we were all trained quite intensely in, in, you know, working in the theater. That's what we were going to do. Traditional theater. Traditional theater. Shakespeare yeah. and whatnot. Shakespeare started out, I actually, my first job was at the Oregon Shakespeare Festival in Ashland. Okay. Worked there for a season. Uh, did Romeo there and uh, Octavius and Julius Caesar and The Boy and Henry V. Really a nice first season. And um, I mean, right out of school, you got the, right lead, out of school. the lead roles. Yeah. You, you were good. Yeah. I, I don't know if I was good or I if I just fit I the costume. I don't want to sound I like said, I'm surprised. I apologize. For <laughs> no, that. no, no. You're, your surprise is absolutely <laughs> valid. I was um, I was kind of a kind of a cut up in school, and I wasn't very good, you know. And I didn't take it that seriously. I mean, you I were, wanted you to. You were cut up. Come on, you're a yeah, serious yeah, guy. A, yeah, yeah. So we, we're kind of cut from the same cloth, I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. So, but I think deep deep down, I, I I knew I really wanted it, and I knew that I had talent. You know, I knew that I, this is something I'm good at. I recognize yeah. that. How good? I don't know. Right. You know, that, that's a question you never answer. I think. But uh, it was enough to get me uh, down the road. Uh, to Ashland, and and I worked there for a season. I like to think that the the director who actually hired me for the role in Romeo was a huge fan of Nicholas Nickleby, and at the time <laughs> Roger Reese was starring in Nicholas Nickleby, and we actually have a similar we, we resemble each other. And I think he saw me and said, "Oh, he's the guy like Roger Reese and in in Nicholas Nickleby. Remember that play from a thousand years right, ago?" Right. He said, "I'll hire him for Romeo," and I think that's how I got the job. So. Um, but anyway, that started it, and then uh, I worked a little bit in Seattle. Went back to do a play there. Okay. And uh, and I was I was cast. I was kind of plucked from not even relative obscurity, from total obscurity. When I was up in Seattle working in this play, and I auditioned for Dune, 
and that's how I got the role in Dune. That was your first movie. First movie. Yeah. So, so you. They and just, almost someone, my last. Someone, someone, <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. That's another story. No, we're not going to go there. Come on. <clears throat> okay. Um, we could talk about a couple of wines I've made 30 years ago, but we're not going to talk about those either. Um, oh, we all have our struggles. So, but you're, you're not in L.A., but you get the role in Seattle. So yeah. someone yeah. found you? Or yeah, casting agent. It was uh, they were doing what they what they called back then a nationwide search. Okay, and they went to major cities, and um, there were uh, a couple of casting agents that were sort of traveling around Chicago. And they went to Chicago, Seattle, San Francisco, Dallas. And when they came to Seattle, I was working in the theater at that time, right place, right time. And the casting agent just called around to different theaters and said, who fits this kind of, you know, this right. is what we're looking for. Right. And a couple of the people, because I was there working in the community, they said, well, Kyle's that age and not about that right. So you, here's his number. And that's how it happened. They still do that? I do don't you? think so. Because everybody goes to L.A. Yeah, and does the whole I thing. think that they find, they find their people in other ways. But, um, but at the time, um, that was, that's how it happened that's you know? how it happened yeah and so the next thing you know you're what filming in LA yeah or? so I go at screen test in LA it was one of the nice stories is I screen tested in LA for David Lynch okay and I'd never screen tested I didn't know what a camera was I'd never been in front of the camera before and um, he was just really kind and and, and supportive and 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 optimistic and he kind of just helped me through the uh, you know the whole screen i mean i did the work but I, he helped me through the screen test and when i got back to my hotel that night, i was staying at the beverly garland holiday inn i'll never forget <laughs> still there in fact i stayed there i got back to my room and there was a bottle of lynch bage on the table bordeaux which i never ki- had you're kidding me no and he'd sent that over as a thank you and i think a gesture of goodwill you know for putting me through what i what what he what, what we went through for the wow. screen test there's a lot of emotional stuff and then uh so that was, uh, and that was it. So, and, and he had found Lynch Bosch. Lynch Bosch. He'd found Lynch Bosch because his name is David Lynch, of course. Got and it. he saw it on a menu. I think he was probably flying, you know, across international or something. And they were serving Lynch Bosch back in the day when they did that kind, right, of, right. kind of thing. Right, <laughs> yeah. you know, $20 a bottle or yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. Right. And uh, so it couldn't have been more than, it was probably a 79 or 80 or something. Maybe, you know, a nice vintage. But anyway, that was, uh, and that was my introduction to Bordeaux and to David and the shared enjoyment of red wine that we we both have well not just okay because you guys obviously enjoy wine together but yeah. our, our great professional career together too yeah had some yeah he's a dear dear friend <clears throat> extraordinary director and we've we've done some we've done some really special things together yeah what you know you're trained in traditional acting i don't know anything about it but you know there's no no camera training that because mm. you just mentioned that i can't, that caught my ear yeah it's like so all of a sudden you're doing a screen test in front of cameras where yeah. you had no training no i had no that idea must have been it was weird because like you probably want to look at the camera, and you're not supposed to look at the well, camera. Well, in no, one I mean. scene, I actually had to look down the barrel of the camera, and I was like, "That's mm-hmm. weird." And I said, "I don't think I can do this because I'm looking at a lens." And I'm t- and even in t- now, you'd never really, you know, once in a while you do an aside if it calls for it, you know, in the in a script, but that rarely happens. So here I was doing a whole speech right down the lens of the camera. You know, if I'm working with another actress, I, okay, I kind of understand can, that camera's over there shooting, you know, a, a right. whatever re- reality moment we're trying to create right. here, you know, in our little situation. Um, but yeah, looking straight down the lens was was crazy, and the cam- camera was huge. I remember looking <laughs> at it going, "This is giant!" You know, now if today you can shoot on right. an iPhone, iPhone right. 10. I worked with Soderbergh, and he shot a movie on an iPhone 10. No. Oh yeah, we had special lenses, yeah. but it's a, it's it's literally an iPhone. Bang, and you stick it on the table, and he would be shooting the film right now, and you wouldn't even know it was there. Almost, it's crazy. That's but, wild. Yeah, but it was cool. That's so cool. that started it, and that took me to Mexico City. Mexico City. Yeah, we shot in Mexico City. That's where you shot Dune. Mm. Wow. Mm. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was wild. And you're how old? I'm fresh out of school. I'm not even a year out of school, so I'm 22, turned 23. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And I felt I was like, oh, I kind of missed the window. Should have been like 19 or 20. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. <laughs> I'm done. You know? That, you know something? Isn't that funny? Yeah. Because I've got, well, kids, they're, you know, late 20s now, early 30s. But I remember a couple of them were like, you know, they're 21, 22. Just like, Dad, I got it. I'm, I'm not where I need to be. I said, yeah. God, relax, man. Just, yeah, yeah. You know, you'll, you'll get there. You'll I think that's there. why we're here, right? To sort of help yeah. the next, the other generation. So you're going to be fine. You're fine. Just <laughs> yeah. take it, you know, yeah, it's yeah. okay. Loads of time. Take a little time. Enjoy yeah. this. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so meanwhile, yeah. <clears throat> career has taken off. Mm. Um, TV shows, movies, on and on and on. But you're still in the wine thing, and you start you start visiting Napa in I the do. 80s. Yeah, which is what you do. If you're living in if, Los Angeles, and um, you, and you have a girlfriend, and you want to go someplace romantic and fun, and, you know, kind of, I mean, it's beautiful up there. Yeah. So, Let's go to you week. know, you Let's fly up, or you drive up. In our case, you drive right. up, because you can't afford a plane. You can afford gas at that time, but you can't afford a plane ticket. So you drive up. That's and you, true. You could afford gas. Yeah. <laughs> Back in those days. And you just drive around and kind of stumble into whatever. You, you go to the Ballou Vineyard, the, mm-hmm. and you taste some George Latour, and it's very expensive, but you, you, know, you splurge on a bottle or something, and uh, you go to Rutherford Hill. You go to wherever you can kind of tasting room open, you know? Yeah. And you start trying stuff, and... You know, we stayed. We stayed. I remember we stayed at the Auberge de Soleil, which was pretty okay. nice. Yeah. So we, we were doing okay. We had that's, enough. That's romantic. Yeah, it's really Perfect. beautiful. Still there and and, and beautiful. Um, and that was those some of the early visits to Napa. We you know, drive up through San Francisco. I remember staying at the Pelican Inn. Yeah, um, in, over on um, the. Uh, um, Mount, Mount Tam, sort of that area. Yeah, it's on the Mount Tam on the coast. Um, really super romantic, and um, and then we you know we just kind of discovered that area, and Napa was part of that journey. You know. Nice. And um, and so obviously so different than Los Angeles, and, and it's cool. It was cool to be in a place where they were. This was Napa, you know. It was like wow. It had a great. It had a resonance, you know, and kind of a vibrancy. And they were doing something special. So I was already drawn, cer- certainly were, drawn to that kind of environment, you know, making something. And yeah, but it sounds like you had more than just the. It was more than just the getaway for a, a really cool place to go for a weekend because you were. You were into the wine. You I was. checking it out. I was very interested. And I remember I, I wandered into, I think it was the St. Helena Wine Merchant. or Right. It was a different, it was not the one that's in St. Helena. It was actually on the road, kind of where I think the um, Dean and DeLuca yeah, is now. Yeah, was the, um, there was a wine shop there. I yeah, know the corner, it was kind of a warehouse right, kind of right place. It's right by Inglewood Avenue. Yeah, okay. Right by a gas station, yeah. right across the street from Satui. Okay, yeah, yeah. right in there. And right. I was... Stumbled in there, and I and I said, "What should I buy?" And he said, "This, this, this." I remember he bought, he sent, he uh, I bought some Cafaro, C A F A R O, from the eighties. He that had just was Joseph. Was it Joseph? Joe Cafaro, yeah. who was married to my sister. Wow. Back then, and he had he had done. He was working with somebody, but he had done he, his own. He was Chapelet. No, he was well Chapelet, and then he went to Keenan. Okay. On Spring Mountain. Okay. And then he opened his. They started his own label. Yeah. The, the Red Cafaro. The Red Cafaro. Yeah, yeah. I think I may still have a bottle in my yeah. cellar from. From the 80s. Yeah, it's my brother-in-law. Whoa. Didn't know that. That is very cool. He made great wine. Yeah. Yeah, or makes great wine, I'm sure. Solid, yeah, solid yeah, wine maker. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, fun. So that kind of stuff, you know, you're, that just sticks in my brain, you know. Because that was a wine, you know, that label was totally unknown. Small. Yeah. Small producer. Yeah, that's what they had in the shop. Right. And he said, oh, you should have three bottles of this, six bottles of this. So pretty soon, I had a little cellar. You know, I had like a little collection of stuff that he had recommended, and he would send stuff down. Never, you know, never huge cases. Just you know, six of this, three of that. You know, okay. mixed case. So that's how you started. Okay. And so then I started tasting and going, oh, wow, that's cool. And you know, 
Wonderful and you met deal. some people. I know you met a dear friend of yours, Anne, Anne yeah. Colgan. Anne and I met um, in a weird situation. <laughs> um, we were doing an interview um, for In Style magazine. Okay. And a, and a mutual friend, Mark Morrison, actually the writer, had set up a, an interview situation where there was a winemaker, an, an actor, and a restaurateur. And Bruce Martyr was the restaurateur. So we met at Capo. Okay. And Anne was there, and then I was there. So we, it was basically just kind of an interview conversation about these different worlds and how they collided. And that's how I met Matt, uh, met Anne, and that was 99, I think. Okay. Yeah, 99. So she'd been making wine, she started in 92, so that's, she'd been seven years in, and I didn't know Anne Colgan. I didn't know about Colgan. I mean. Because she hit off, she hit it right away. Right out of the way, yeah. yeah. Helen Turley and she, and um, that Herbland Vineyard. Right, beautiful um, wines. Really beautiful wines, and still making beautiful wines. So. So suddenly, I'm friends with Anne, you know, and um, she, she invited me to a couple things and invited me up to Napa. Now, now I'm doing Napa in a completely different way. Because <laughs> you're hanging with, you're I'm hanging you're hanging with the big dogs. Yeah. You're hanging with Anne, yeah. yeah. And she's, in, you know, kind of introducing, and she sort of, I get to know, you know, I don't, I don't think I get to know Bill Harlan. I've met Bill Harlan. I've met him a number of times. He never remembers who I am. That's totally fine. But I've met him a couple isn't, of times. Isn't that, but isn't that refreshing? It's good, you know. But Don Weaver was so, you know, we Don went Weave. over, he tasted, and he's awesome, and he, and he was like, we, he, he had a bottle of Harlan out. This is way back in the day. Right. Poured that, you know, tasted that. And this is like, so now I'm tasting wine that is like, holy smokes. Some really good stuff. Oh, you, yeah. it's, it's just, it's night and day. And um, so you start to get interested in that. You can't afford it to, to get it, but you recognize, oh, there's some serious quality in there. And, look, and how they're doing it. And look at the house. And look at the countryside. And look how they're living. And, you know, it, it, gets, it gets in there. It gets in you, you know. You just, I mean, you, you have, just you just saw one side of it, baby. I know. Well, <laughs> we'll get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> no, but that's okay. But that's yeah. that's the romance of the wine business. And yeah. that, you know, something. There's nothing wrong with that. No, it's what it's what you. I mean, in one way, it's what you sell. You know, it's Napa, yeah. and you want tourism to come, and it is romantic. It is you know, romantic. it is wonderful. And it's, a, it's enjoyable. There's another side. As it's you just, said, well, look, just like restaurants. Yeah. You know, you, you you don't go in the back door. I go in the back door of the restaurant, yeah. sell wine, and so do you now. Yeah. It's like, it's a whole different scene in yeah. the back. But yeah. in the front, it's beautiful. You know, what about movies? Well, it's the same thing. It's I'm the at the thing. movie theater. There's this beautiful thing happening on the screen. Mm. What went into it behind the scenes? And all the glamour. Yeah, no, that's not, it's not a glamour situation at yeah. all. When you're sitting in that makeup trailer at 5 o'clock in the morning. 5 o'clock in the morning, no shooting glamour. all night. Yeah, right? or shooting all night in the mud. And you're doing, it is no glamour. So that's why I guess they turn it on at the other end, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Maybe that's the example. That's funny. But you're right. You're and right. meanwhile, uh, your bride, Desiree, you guys, yeah. so w was she the one you were going up to Napa with? She was. No, that came a little bit later. Okay. So I met, uh, I, I didn't meet Desiree until, um, it was right about when I met Anne. In fact, it was about 99. Okay. Um, and Where did you guys meet? We Anne? met at a chiropractor's office in Los Angeles. <laughs> that's, talk about romantic. Romantic. So romantic. <laughs> I had injured my back, and I was kind of doing this series of traction, seeing if we could, you know, not have to do surgery. Right. And um, and she came in, walked in through the hallway, and I saw her through a doorway. She went, you know, how fast someone would walk past the doorway. That's how fast I saw her, and I immediately was like, "I'm going to meet that girl." So I got out of my traction. <laughs> yeah, no easy feat, and went to say hello, and 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 didn't have the didn't have the guts, I guess, to get a number or a contact, but made contact with her, and then we ran into each other by complete accident uh, two nights later at, uh, either a night later or two nights later yeah. at the uh, at the Mondrian Hotel at a Talk Magazine launch party, which I never would, was going to, and she was never, it was weird, it was weird. 
And then we all we both had appointments the following Monday, same time, at the back at the chiropractor. <laughs> so there was something that was definitely pushing us together. That's neat. It was. It was really cool. Really and she's cool. super special. And she wasn't really into wine so much at that time. Yeah. Um, now she's a connoisseur, um, and fortunately, she loves the wine I make, which is, which is always helpful. Um, <laughs> but she was she was instrumental, really, in, in in giving me the final push to embark on my winemaking journey, which I know we're getting to in the in the conversation. But no, the she was definitely perfect. Yeah, I wanna, yeah, yeah. I wanna, so yeah. so you're falling in love with her. You got married in two thousand two. Two thousand two. Yeah. Yeah. And she helped push you to the wine world. Yeah. You're busy. You've got a full-time career. Yeah, yeah. And you start decide to make wine. Yeah. How, uh, why? How? how <laughs> tell me that's how that happened. Why? No. Why? Well, don't I, do it. Don't. No, I, I can I can understand why. I'm just I'm kind of more curious about the why and also the how. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's it, we, it, different things came together at the right time. Really. Okay. Um, it was a thing where I found myself not getting home to see my dad as frequently. I, there was always okay. an excuse, you know. Okay. Yeah. I'm in L.A. or I'm in New York with Desiree. We're traveling, you know, getting home to Yakima. wasn't high on the list of priorities. My dad's getting older. Not, easy, just, to, not easy to get there. Not easy to get right. there. No, that's a, you know, it's a bit of a schlep. And so I was like, eh, you know, I had to get home to see my dad more, more often and at the same time, I was paying attention to what was happening in Washington with the wine world, you know, right. and, and it was a very slow start. You know, 77 was Leonetti. That was the first bonded winery on the east side. That was 77. And, yeah. and they, but boy, they put, they really helped put Washington on the map. They did. They? they did. They did. Those first few, but, but between 77 and 95, there were nine wineries developed. Only nine Only wineries. Nine. So wow. by 95, now between 95 and 2005, it was now 300. So it exploded. Um, I was one of those. Yeah. But it started slow. So, but but they what they did is, you know, you've got companies, wineries like Woodward Canyon, you've got Leonetti, um, you've got Lacole 41, and these are all the, you know, the pioneers of Washington State, and they all made fantastic wine. Right. So I'm tasting this going, how can this be? How can Washington make good wine? I don't understand. No, it's Napa that makes good wine. But I was... I was surprised and kind of exhilarated that Eastern Washington finally had something cool. <laughs> well, I've, I've only driven through there one time. It was a long time ago, 1980. Uh, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. was a school Hasn't teacher. I was a school teacher oh, wow. for two or three years. And okay. one summer, I'd always want to drive all over the country. Yeah. So I did it. Wow. Good and for I'll you. I'll never forget driving. I mean, it's grim. Across, well, <laughs> I gotta tell you the story. If I have, I started the day in on in on the Olympic Peninsula. Okay, I spent the night, which okay. is a which is a rainforest. This yeah, is, this is beautiful. East, no, this is west of Washington. Yeah. And I drove around. Yeah, west the, of Seattle, even way west of Seattle. Way, pardon way, me. Yeah, no worries. Took the ferry across. Yeah, drove up this great road through the trees. Uh, I forget what mountains those, those are. Cascades. 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 The second range. Drove yeah. back down. Yeah. You're going to love this. It's the 4th of July. Oh, my Lord. Okay. So on the ferry, everybody's, you know, it's like yeah. early morning. I couldn't sleep, so I was up early morning. I, f I think I told you the story. But anyway, so I pull into some little town, and I think it was called Leavenworth. Mm -hmm. It's the town mm. that looks like uh, it's from yeah, Switzerland. So, yeah, it's like yeah, it's, it's like a bunch a, of little chalets. It's like. Yeah. So you're like, north. You're up kind of a northern part of Washington Way up there. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, this is where I stopped to have lunch, and there's a 4th of July parade going okay. on. Okay. Oh, Kyle, check this out. You know, you've got the, I'm sitting there on the curb having a beer and a, right. and a sandwich, you know, right. watching this thing go by. It's right. all the locals. And you've got right. the, the guys in the go-karts with the Pez hats, oh, you know. Oh, man, yeah. It's just like, wow, Where am I'm I? having this great day. And then 
I get done and I hit get to jump in the car. I'm driving yeah. east. I'm just you know, I got okay. the map. Yeah. I cross whatever river, and yeah. all of a sudden, this beautiful trees, cascades, pine trees. Uh, all of a sudden, it's high plains drifter. Yeah. Nothing yeah. but dry grass as far as the eye can yeah. see, all yeah. the way to Spokane. I yeah. drove the whole way. Oh, that is a, that's a and tough. And I was drive. like, what just happened? <laughs> you know, you, well, you know, bomb. you dropped the bomb, but you know, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, and so, yeah, yeah, no, and, totally. And this is where the you know in eastern Washington, yeah, Walla Walla, and this is where the vineyards are now. Well, it's weird because Washington is you know every state has a nickname, right? So okay. uh, Washington is the evergreen state. <laughs> you not, know, not where I was. Not where I was. Not where I grew up. You know, and so you're like this is a bit of a misleading thing. So people, when you talk about Washington wine, people think, how can you make wine there? It's so cold and rainy and right. wet. I'm thinking of Seattle. And right. I'm saying, eh, you got to go a little east. And the east side of the mountains is, is as you said, it is it's high dry. plains drifter. It's scrub. There's nine inches of rain a year over there. And it's the, it's the kind of the lower right-hand and central, central part of the state of Washington. It's a good chise chunk. And that's the Columbia Valley AVA. Pretty much just that entire area. Within that, you got sub-AVAs. But that's But that's, that's where it. it's all happening. That's where it happens, yeah. Total irrigation, surrounded by rivers, lots of rivers, the Snake River, the Columbia yeah, River. plenty of water. Plenty of water. And they're growing great grapes. Yeah, they really are. The heat, they, they love, they love the, big, the big reds. Yeah. You know, they like the big reds. So. Got calves, got Sarai. Yeah. Merlot, Merlot does great up there. It's wonderful. Grenache, Mouvedras. So any of the Rhones you can do. You okay. can do you can, the only thing you can't really do is, is Pinot Noir. That's okay. There's enough Pinot out there. <laughs> <laughs> Oregon's got that coming. Yeah, yeah, they've got. They have to. They have to fuss with that. Um, <laughs> yeah, fuss is a good word. Fuss is a good word yeah, yeah, for yeah. Pinot. Um, yeah. All right. Well, sorry, we did, I got sidetracked. No, I no, had my 1980s drive across the country. I love it. Um, so you're getting into the wines. You're seeing how good these wines are. Mm. You decide to jump in. You're, you're visiting your dad. You're getting yeah. I want to spend more time with him. Yeah. I'm paying attention to what's happening, right. and I and I and I reach out to um, a winery in Walla Walla called Dunham Cellars because uh, they have a Syrah there that I want to serve at the wedding for my wife. In, uh, oh, you're wedding We're going to be wedding okay. in 2002. You know, I wanted to have Washington represented okay. on the tables, you know, Makes for sense. everyone. And I wanted a large format. I wanted the Syrah. And he said, well, we don't have that Syrah, but why don't you check with... Um, with the guys at Woodward Canyon, and so um, I, I called. Uh, I called up there, and and they had what I needed. Um, but in the conversation, Eric said he was coming to. Eric Dunham said he was coming yeah. to New York, and so you know, being from the East Side, and him being from the East Side, I said, "Well, you know, give me a call and get in. Maybe we'll get a bite to eat." Yeah. Shows up. We go to dinner with a big group of friends. Get along great. What a super guy. Yeah. Great guy. And I was like, this is cool. So I have a pal now and making wine. So I would come back home, grab my dad. We'd drive down to Walla Walla, tasting wines along the way. And, and we'd see Eric and meet, met his dad, Mike, um, and just kind of became Dunham pals and supporters. And, and it was really fun. And he showed me around the winery. And I was like, wow, this is really, this is it, man. This is really happening. You're it's, really this, doing it, it. It really happens. Yeah, here. <laughs> it's pretty, uh, you know, it was kind of eye-opening for me. So um, meanwhile, you know, I'm thinking, gosh, it'd be nice to get back home. And I wonder about wine. I wonder about learning about wine, making wine. Ann Colgan had told me her story. And she had started, you know, with Custom Crush. Right. She'd started by hiring a winemaker, Helen Turley. Mm -hmm. She had found a, a vineyard, uh, Herb Lamb Vineyard which she was sourcing from. She didn't know it. So she didn't own anything going in. You owned the barrels, of course, and, right. the, and you have the winemaker. But I said, well, she, Anne did it, you know. I mean, I'm not going to make wine of that quality, but 
you could do this, I was thinking. And finally, with enough of that, hey, honey, you know, when I'm talking to my wife, yeah, well, you know, it's it's possible, you know, you could do And she finally said, would you just stop talking about and it just and go just go? That sounds like it. my wife. Just, just, stop, yeah, just stop. stop talking and get to work. Right. And so I was like, okay, okay. So <laughs> I sat with Eric and I, I said, hey, would you partner with me on this little, you know, wine adventure? Maybe get 12 barrels and make some wine. And yeah. he said, sure. Shook my hand. And then his first question was, what do you want to, what do you like to drink? And I said, well, I really like drinking Cabernet. And he said, well, why don't we make Cabernet? And I said, oh, that's a great idea. <laughs> and that was it. And we did it. Our first blend was Cab, uh, a little bit of Merlot. Okay. And, uh, and because his Syrah was so good, I blended in some Syrah just to see what would happen. So we got six or 7% of Syrah. Nice. And uh, yeah, and it was, it was kind of what we, we had 12 barrels, um, which is and uh, a couple of 300, 300 cases, yeah, perfect, about 300. size. Yeah. Um, Mark Aubert, who, who now has his own wonderful winery and makes extraordinary wines, was, was Anne's winemaker after Helen, Helen Turley. So when I knew Anne, Mark was making her wines. Got it. And he him, was the right. one who said, you know these Terrence Aubert's? And I was like, I don't know, what's that? He said, well, we've been using them, and they're really great, yeah. and we do yeah. this, and we use, this is what we use. And the they are really great. Yeah. And, I was like, and I was like, oh, okay. He said, and he was like, you should do those. And I was like, here, here you should call Mel Knox and, and get the barrel. And he finally Mark just said, ah, screw it. Here, listen, I'm just going to I'm gonna have Mel send you 12 barrels, okay, because they were hard to get at the yes, time. Yes, they are. And, and I said, thank you. You know, so that was good. So, to, uh, and do, they, nobody in Washington, I mean, I think Kilsady Creek and a few others had some Terrence Oak. They were tough to get. We had a yeah. tough time. Oh. Good old Mel Knox. Yeah. Just, he was the best. He, he is the yeah, best. He is the what best. What a character. Yeah. And now Mookie's got the yeah. company and so it's all good. So anyway, that's how I, so I just suddenly got thrown into this thing. I, I bought the barrels and, and I used the juice that Eric was using for his, his wines. Right. And we off and running. And we basically filled, what we filled, put in the barrels, we put in the bottle. You know, there was no like, oh, I don't think this barrel quite. It was like, eh, it's all good. Oh no, they're yeah, you're fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, you know, good wine, good barrels. No, this, you know, those. Unless there's a real there, screw there up, was you know? a time, you know, back 30 years ago, you there there'd be some of that situation going on. But the expectations and the quality of these guys, you know, the barrel guys, they're just like the wine guys. I mean, your quality, your, the quality is your reputation. Yeah. And if yeah. you if you if you cut corners, it'll show in the wine and wine yeah. bars, You know, we won't buy the barrels anymore. Yeah, no, you're it just right. Happens. You're yeah. right, and you know, it takes a couple of years to understand that. But once it happens, yeah, yeah. You, you don't want to go back. But these were fantastic. So, so you've got wine in the barrel. You're going to bottle it. You're going to have yeah. to have a label. You're going to call it. I'm going to call, call it. What it am Kyle's I going to call it? Wine. Well, there, I, I went McLaughlin around and around. What are some yeah. of the <laughs> no, we did. Eric and sure. I sat down, and I still have the napkin. I was like, let's, let's see, Eric Dunham, Kyle McLaughlin. Dunlock. That's Dunlock. 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 I like that. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, and I'm like, eh, it sort of sounds like a scotch, doesn't it? Dunlock. It does. Yeah, it does. Space side. Space yeah. side Dunlock. Yeah. Oh, it's a you know, 12 year old space. And I was like, that's <laughs> maybe not. So we, and I started thinking around about, well, what about something with the acting thing? Maybe downstage. Yeah, downstage. Downstage. Unavailable. What about ah, like, like Harlequin un or Pantomime? Unavailable. So I'm like, stage right. Unavailable. So I'm thinking and thinking, and all so I'm like, they're all taken. And I'm like, well, there is this great stage direction. It's called Exit Pursued by a Bear. I bet that's probably available. Wouldn't that be kind of fun? Maybe we just call it. So it was one of those. A couple glasses of wine and sort of ruminating and thinking, yeah, Pursued by a Bear. Pursued by a Bear. Yeah, we'll so do what it. Play, that, 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 what play bear. was that? It was a so The Winner's Tale. Winner's Tale. Winner's Tale. One of, <laughs> no, not one of Shakespeare's more well-known plays. And, um, <laughs> but in Act 3, Scene 3, um, in the act break, he wrote... The stage direction, exit, pursued by a bear. 
So the actor who's been talking notices there's a bear and runs off stage, and the bear, bear the bear chases chases him, him right off stage and pursues actually him. pursues him and consumes him partially. He's identifiable by some of the other actors that come later. Um, yeah, and it's, I just thought this could be kind of fun, and it certainly gives me it gives me a visual, you know, for a label. Oh yeah, and it's kind of theatrical, and we can yeah. I said well, yeah, maybe pursued by a bear. I don't know. It's kind of kind of interesting, and I told Eric, and he was like, okay. You know, he was like, whatever. You know, if that's yeah, what you want to baby. call it. That's it's what you're going to call it. And that's how the name came to be. What does Desiree think? Oh, she thought it was great. Yeah. She, yeah. I think she might have been even at the dinner where um, we did. The, 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 the story, is not, it's not a myth, but it's, it's sort of taken on those. We, we were coming back from Napa, in fact. And I was talking about it in the car okay. and flying back. And that night we had dinner with a friend of hers, Steve Martin, the comedian. So we were at Steve's house right. in L.A. And I decided I had a couple of glasses of wine. I don't. I didn't know Steve. I just met her between, between my wife. And I said, hey, "What do you think of this name, Wine Pursued by Bear?" He, and he was like, "That's great." And I said, "We're in. If Steve Martin likes it, damn it, You're it's in. done." Oh yeah. And you know, you can pronounce it. It's whimsical. Everybody's going to remember it. Yeah. Remember that one. Yeah. It's got that bear wine. You know. Yeah. Where's that, that bear, bear wine? That chase wine. The chase by bear. The pursued by bear. Yeah. So brilliant. Anyway, I was it was just a kind of f fell into you know, fell into it. So, and it, but it's really it is fun. So how's it working? Are you how involved are you with the process? Are um, you up there harvesting? I'm up. I'm up as much as I can be. Good. I missed harvest this year because I was working. But yeah. my winemaker, who's now Dan, a different guy, Dan right. Dan Wamfler, um, he's got it completely covered. Um, but I'm there for blending. I'm there for release. I'm there. I'm there all the time, um, which is a lot easier to do when you live in Los Angeles than it is in New York. But yeah, uh, how, yeah. How you okay? So well, there's, there's a JetBlue flight that's great uh, from JFK um, to Seattle. <laughs> that's what I do. I was going to say how you do it because yeah. you're living. You were in LA, but you're in New York now. Yeah, and yeah. you're staying here. I think. That's yeah, the gather I get. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Well, there was never an option of, of living over there. I mean, that wasn't going to happen. No, not with um, your career. No, and and I love the community and everything, but um, that's you know that's just not the world right now. So, so I have a really great team, people that I trust, and 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 everything sort of works together really well. But um, heavily involved. I've been mostly hitting distribution networks these past six months, trying to increase that a little bit. Well, that's I was going to say. Ask about to ask you. I mean, yeah. growing it and making it. That's kind of. That's really fun. That's the fun part. It is fun. Yeah. Um, selling it's not not fun, but right. it's a challenge, and it it's is. it's. Uh, yeah. You so, know. are you handling all that? I'm handling all that right now. I need help. Yeah. I need. I need. Help. I need I, I'm realizing I need. I need <laughs> some, and I don't know what the initials are going to be that have to be in front of the person that I'm going to hire, whether it's right. COO, CFO, something. You know. Well, something to manage, manage distribution something. and sales. Exactly right. Yeah. Whatever that is, I need to have um, someone to help me with that. So. Um, good problems to have. The wine right. is selling. Uh, the production is going up. It's still tiny. I yeah. mean, that's 500 cases of Cabernet, which is nothing. Got it. Um, I'd like to make more Syrah, but Syrah is very difficult to sell, um, as good as it is. And I think Washington State Syrah is some of the best in the world. It's just people are not going to reach for that. Syrah has been a challenge in this country, and, and many of us are trying to figure out why, because it is a, I tell you, it's growing it, because we make one. Yeah. Um, it's a joy to grow. 
Mm-hmm. It sets a good crop. It'll set a good crop in a snowstorm. Yeah, you know, unlike other varietals, which can be really flaky. Yeah. So you always get decent production, and the flavor profile on Syrah. Um, you talk about a rainbow. You've got a rainbow of colors to choose from. Mm. You can make it light and fruity. You can mm. make it really extracted mm. and, and peppery and tannic, mm. or anywhere in between. So, yeah. lots of options. I think. Part of it might be, I think the American consumer just isn't sure what they're going to get when they get Syrah. Mm-hmm. Is it going to be that big, rich, extracted wine or more mm-hmm. of a lighter style? So it's just oh, that's uh, a good. That's a good explanation. Yeah, I was just in London and I was talking to them. They have a, they're a little more open to it. In fact, mm-hmm. um, maybe they're a little more used to it and accepting of it. You know, um, but I agree with you. You can take the grape and do anything with it. Really, it's fun. and I love a big, rich, you know, robust Syrah. And we we do. We do specific kind of aging on it. I needed to, di- to distinguish it from the Dunham Syrah at the time, so okay. we use 600-liter barrels. Oh, those um, are those are neat. Those, oh, are, those are neat and what they call um, um, pungents. Pungents, pungents. Yeah. pungents. Yeah. 600 liters, so the uh, uh, a normal barrel is 225, right. so it's about three times. Big, but they're shaped like a barrel. They're it's shaped like, like a, a barrel. They're barrel. just a big barrel, and they're so beautiful. They're like furniture. You want to have them in your <clears> living room. They're so gorgeous. I remember we used to, a winery I worked at years ago, we had those things, and rolling them around when they're empty. Well, oh. they're heavy, but, but it's like yeah. you've got a tiger by the tail. <laughs> Watch <there>. out. <laughs> don't, Get out don't, don't, don't let it fall on your foot. It's going through the wall, right? Yeah. <laughs> has a mind of its own. I love it. But uh, speaking of your Syrah, that... Uh, it's called Baby Bear Syrah. Yeah. So Does that have anything to do with uh, yeah, the a young, young man, man named yeah, Callum? Absolutely. So I had to pursue by Bear Cabernet, which was a blend. And uh, Eric was the one who said, you know, you should make a Syrah. You know, it's Syrah so great. And I was right. like, okay, yeah. why not? And, and, and then we got to talking about how we would distinguish it from Dunham because we were sourcing from the same place. And that's when we came up with the idea of the large format, the 600 liter. And uh, again, looking for a name. And I, has, I said, well, I have the bear. And, I, you know, pursued by bear. And I said... The first vintage was 2008, the year right. my son was born. Right. So I said, well, we call it Baby Bear, I guess. He said, we call it Baby Bear, and it's a, we make a big, rich, <laughs> luscious Syrah. So people think, Baby Bear, oh, it's so cute. And they pour it out, like, holy smokes, you know, this is a big Syrah. So that's how it happened. And it's a big uh, baby. It's a big baby. <laughs> yeah, it's a big baby. Um, Callum was a big baby. He was a tall baby. Um, and I, I'd, uh, I used, again, the, the label designer that I had found um, in, a, in an, <clears throat> an illustrator. You know, the, she had uh, an agent, had a number of different uh, artists in, in her portfolio. And she, this was one that I thought, oh, this makes sense, Caroline Church. So I had her do the Pursued by Bear, and then I had her do the Baby Bear, and then I had her do the Rosé, which is the, the latest edition. You're making a Rosé. Yeah. It, it's called? It's called, wait for it. Blushing bear. Blushing bear. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Well, totally appropriate. What, yeah, uh, what yeah. grape are you using? So, you know, I basically <clears throat> just said, what do I like to drink? I like to drink uh, French rosé. I like to drink Bandol. So I said to my winemaker, I said, can you find me Grenache? Can you find me Mouvedre? I figured I could. Can you find me Cinso? And he said, yeah. So Tough varieties to find. Yeah, not that easy. I mean, it's, they're there, and they're there now more. Um, but I, uh, I, I put, sent him on a mission. So our first vintage, which was 2015, was 75 cases of rosé. So we, we basically drank those. And then, <laughs> but we had our blend, and we had our sources, and then we just kind of upped it up. And, you know, it's, just, it's nothing extravagant. It's just stainless. Yeah. And, and, yeah. Uh, but, but beautiful fruit. And, and it's got the great 
combination. You know, basically, I would say with rosé, you start with the color you want and you work backwards. So however long it takes, you just, you know, that's what it keeps. So I remember drinking rosé with you in yeah. Napa Valley. Yeah. So, Kyle, I'm a winemaker. I don't know anything about acting. I admit that. And I don't <laughs> pretend to. But they tell me it's a creative process. Yes. So, and that's your profession. Yes. So yes. They also say winemaking is a creative process. Yeah. So. Yeah. Help me out here because <laughs> is there are there parallels with creativity and acting and winemaking? Because I think curious. so. Yeah, okay. I think so. I mean, I think you can point to um, the fact that you are um, when they when they make a let's say for film, right. they always say that you make three movies. So you make there's the movie that you write that comes in a script form, um, and that's just the writer working with with the director possibly. Then right. there's the movie that you shoot which, of course, is the collaboration with actors and the director and the writer, and everybody's working together, producer, blah, blah, right. blah. And then there's the movie you edit. And they are three different movies. So I go, okay, in the wine business, there's, there's, there are the vineyards right. and your sources that you have. There's the, um, there's the processing, I guess. So grapes get put through, crushed, put in a barrel. Pressed. Yeah. yeah. Aged. Aged. They sit, they sit for a while. Mm -hmm. Finally, and then there's the selling, getting to the public, releasing it, the exposure, and all that. The finished, the finished wine, and it's sort of these three. It's these three phases. So I sort of say there are, there are similar trajectories. Interesting. I think. Yeah. Um, you know, when you're making a movie, you don't really. You you kind of know. You have a blueprint for what you're doing because that's the script. But ultimately, you don't know because there'll be another movie made. That's the movie that's cut together, and things may change, shorten, be eliminated, be taken away. And that is the process as you're blending. You're like going, oh, okay, yeah, this one maybe with this or that with that, maybe not. But you're bringing in all this stuff to make a movie. You're making a wine, so you're using all these components. And we use the scenes, you know, this scene next to this scene. And we kind of know how it's going to go because we've you know, done it before right, and it's been right. written out. But always a possibility <clears throat> for change. Maybe the scene works better over here. Maybe we don't need that scene. Or maybe we're going to cut half of it. Doesn't doesn't that bum you out? Let's say there's a really good scene that you yeah. personally love, yeah. and all of a sudden, yeah. they, what's, the, what's the term? They it's left on the editing yeah, room cutting floor. floor. Yeah, that happens. That happens. <laughs> I mean, a great example that maybe some people have seen is Apocalypse Now. So you have Apocalypse Now as as Coppola released it back right. in the day. Then you have Hard Darkness, and then you have Apocalypse Now Redux or Redo whatever, which has many other scenes that are added in, and they're mm -hmm. really interesting, and I love seeing them. They don't make the movie any better. In fact, I prefer the first one. The first one. Yeah, but it's fun. It's kind of like, you know, when you do a single vineyard, you're like, okay, we're going to do this as our blend, but we're also going to do a single vineyard just because we want to yeah, put that aside. See what's going yeah, on so it's that. like it's a part of your your main wine. You know, like if I do Pursued by Bear, but I'm going to do like, I want to do a single vineyard from, let's say, De Brule or a vineyard that I use, and you're going to do 100 cases or something yeah. like that. It's like, it's like, Oh, you want to do that? You want to add? Hopefully, you add to the experience, which I think is what Apocalypse Now Redux is. It's like you're adding to the experience by putting in these other pieces. So you're blending. You're blending. You're, you're basically blending. blending. That's what you're doing. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And you kind of know where you're going. I mean, you, you yeah, know you kind of when yeah. you blend. You know, I mean, with single with um, with Hillside, I, I think Hillside. You, it's just cab. Yeah, it's cab, and it's basically that blend. That blend's created in the vineyard. Yeah. Because yeah. we've so many years of making it, we've got these eight or nine different blocks. Right. And when we harvest them, we, we know. You know, we, we yeah. actually know it. Not that we're all knowing, but after 30 mm -hmm. years, you know, we kind of know. It's like, yeah, that one's definitely yeah. hillside. 
Yeah. You know, that's, so it's going that way right away. It's the one thing that I wish, because um, I, don't, I don't have a state fruit yet. I have sources that I continually go to that are consistent. But it would be really great to have, have a state fruit so that you know every year. That's you know. big. That's yeah. big. Yeah. Yeah. That's I'm, sort of the next. That's the. That's your next. That's step. a big boy step. That's your next step. <laughs> big bear. Big, yeah, bear. big, big bear. bear. That's what I need. That's big the big bear. bear step. <laughs> so, <clears throat> first wine was 2005. It's 13 years later. Yeah. You still like making wine? I still like making wine. I like. I tell you what I do. I like the people involved. I, I do love going out and meeting and talking and sharing not only my wines but kind of the what I could say the good word of Washington State because. We're still the underdog, and you know, even though we're the second largest producer in the country, it's you know we're little compared to Napa. So yeah, but I was know. thinking about you today because getting prepped for this because Washington State, I have a bunch of neighbors in Napa who are buying land in Washington State yeah, and yeah, growing yeah. grapes and making wine. Yeah. And I was curious since you're on the inside up there. Mm. How do the locals feel about all these Napa Valley folks coming up? Yeah, there's kind of like a little. It's a it's a mixed bag because yeah. you know they're coming in and 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 source you know they're sourcing and using the grapes so that the growers are happy because they're selling their grapes, um, and and I got to say the product. Um, We've had huge harvests these past couple of right. years, so it's been abu- there's an abundance there. Um, but what happens is yeah, the price starts to go up, you know, yeah. and it's harder for a Washington State wine to charge, you know, a price that much more common in Napa, you know, there's just the disparity there is still there simply because it's Napa versus Washington, you know, so yeah, it's... It, but it's the, the Napa, yeah, I know exactly what's going concern, on, the yeah. Napa and guys are coming up and, you know, Cabernet at that price in Washington, gee, that's a deal, I'll take deal. that. It's and a huge deal. It's hurting you guys. You know, it, it, you know, it's potentially there, yeah, that's the thing. So that's why, you know, I'm, I'm kind of I'm thinking about it, it's a big step but the idea that you own your own stuff is is ultimately, I think, where you want to go. Just yeah. so you have control, not only control of what you're growing, but also control of the price. So you know what you're spending. That's true, because we have a lot of our own vineyards, but we still buy 15%, yeah. and, and yeah. I'm at the mercy of yeah. the spot market pricing, and it's it's a little bit crazi right now. Yeah, it is. Do it's you do, like, you, and by yearly, probably by annual, yeah, yeah as, do, as do I. And it's... Um, yeah, and the only way it kind of makes sense is I have enough of my own vineyard that I can, you know, spread those costs over that. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, and it's also it's also nice to think, you know, if you have something that doesn't work, you can bulk that out, mm-hmm. you know, and that can go um, if necessary. Um, but it's um, yeah, it's challenging having the because there, as you said, the price, you know, per acre, whether it's per acre or per ton, is is so much more reasonable than Napa. Oh yeah, in Sonoma. Yeah. I, I might maybe I should come up and look around. But come up and look around, man. Another another Napa guy coming up. <laughs> Here comes another one. Yeah. <laughs> a shiny pickup truck. Yeah, or something there like he that. is. But uh, so besides wine and acting, you've mm. got other interests. Photography. Oh, a little bit. Yeah, I didn't know about that. Well, I just tell me. It's just mostly the mostly just <clears throat> posting. You know, and I I really enjoy that. Okay. The process of like putting stuff out there, but I'm not. I really wouldn't say I'm serious about it. It's mostly just, you know, the social media phenomena. Okay. And uh, you like coffee? Oh yeah, uh, that's that's almost a a hobby. I so, swear to God, yeah. So back in the old days, what was what came first, coffee or wine? <laughs> oh, that's a good, that's a good question. Yeah, that's a good question. I started drinking coffee when I worked at the golf course, um, so that was high school. 
Uh, only because the other guys, the uh, these, oh my, talk about characters. <laughs> so I was one of the greenskeeping staff in Yakima at the Yakima Country Club. Oh, tell me about in this. In summers. Oh yeah. And you know, you it was it was it was fun, but not fun. Yeah, up at five, which is not right. when you're that age. You don't want to be up at five. Um, you know, and you were there on your sand machine or your tea. Uh, mower or your green mower, whatever at six. Ride the mower. Ride the mower, and and it was be- it was summer in Yakima, so you know it's warm by six thirty seven o'clock. But it's beautiful. Um, the sun's coming up. There's dew on beautiful. the grass. It is. It's, it's yeah. kind of it's lost at me, on me at that age. You know what I mean? But now it's like you know the older I get, the earlier I get up. So I really do appreciate. So it. So who who are the characters? What were they doing? Oh they gosh, like? so there's old John the Waterman. John the he Waterman. He worked at night. <laughs> he had a white pickup truck, and he rolled his own cigarettes that he always had. It was perpetual cigarette hanging out of his, and, and you couldn't really understand him. He wore galoshes all the time. Oh, my gosh. Glasses and, oh. and a hat. Diminutive small guy. And he was talking, talking, and this, and I think this, I think we need to move and swing on the side on him, and I can dry him on the side on him, and i take care of it. And I was like, okay, John, you, you do that. Then there was Red. Red was um, a, a character, I, probably, a, who, who knows what the past was with him, but he, I remember he'd always stand with kind of, you know, one hip kind of cocked up, and yeah. he had he had a wallet attached <laughs> in, in his back pocket that I literally looked like two giant slabs of bacon that had been stuck together, filled with, I don't know what it was, but it was like a brick that he had stuck in his back pocket, and he'd just stand there and with his hat on, and chewing tobacco, of course, right, of course. and just hold court, you know, yeah. and I I was like, okay, that's John. I don't want to grow up to be like him. Um, that, that was red. red. That was red. Um, then the guy that I knew was a guy named Denny Colvin, and he's a childhood friend, and he grew up working at the golf course as well, and he kind of helped me get a job there. And he was quite a good golfer. He went to Stanford, played on the golf team there. Cool. He was sort of, a, sort of at the same time as Tom Watson. And, uh, and he, had, he was a great player, and he would, <clears throat> he would mow in short pants and he had real hairy legs so he'd come off the mower <laughs> yeah. and he looked like he was a green, he had the green uh, I don't know the was grass a green, oh, yeah, abominable <laughs> snowman or something but with green and, and it was it was crazy um, and he wore a big straw hat and that was Denny so just yeah full and they got you and me some you, kid, you're, the, you're you know, the knucklehead on the mower yeah, so yeah. look at this this sounds like a this sounds I don't know anything about um, that's a sitcom is what sitcom. it is I hadn't thought about those guys forever why you know you know you know you got into wine why can't I get into I the film I think there would certainly be a place for you at the YCC. Yeah. <laughs> we'll figure out what you're going to do. <laughs> what's, be, what's Doug going to do I'll today? Doug the Waterman. Yeah, there moment. you go. Well, yeah, Holland Pipes. Lost my, lost my hose. <laughs> I don't know what we're going to do. Um, what's next? Uh, well, wine-wise, you've got three wines. Any more? Any new wines coming down the pipe? Or you're just gonna no, sit tight? I'm, sort of, um, yeah. I'm sitting with those. those are, that's keeping me plenty busy. So I've got the Pursuba Bear, Baby Bear, and then the Blushing Bear Rosé, which um, we're, you know, that will come out soon here you know well not soon but you know march april um so got that going and uh yeah just you know just getting the word out about the wine yeah what's if people want to find your wines what's the best way Uh, right now i'm you know i'm virtual so online is really good pursued by bear wine.com um the cabernet i'm sold out of cab and and, uh, rosé but the syrah is available and it's fantastic um and there'll be a a a new cab coming coming up next few months yeah yeah probably be that and then uh yeah and just kind of marching and marching forward super so, yeah how about uh in the film tv land anything new coming i've got something out right now um called house with a clock in its walls that's starring jack black kate blanchett i read about that it's really cute yeah and I, so i play i play the evil an evil wizard which is an evil fun. wizard yeah you know it's typecasting um <laughs> full prosthetics i get to be you know um i've got crazy 
you know, bloodshot contact lenses and you don't, I don't even look like myself. They've modulated my voice a little bit. Yeah, it's funny. I'm, a, I'm definitely a demon from another place. Uh, and that how was lo- fun. How long's makeup take for something? That like was that? four hours started, and then we got it down to about two and a half. Two. Okay, so tell me about that. Yeah. So it's two and a half. Yeah. Every day. Every day. You just sit and hang out and drink your coffee, and <sighs> you know. And then they take and, it. And take text. it. They take it off. Obviously. Yeah. So you, it goes on for two and a half hours, three hours, and then taking it off takes about forty-five minutes. Believe me, to get oh. everything off and cleaned up and washed out, and yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't the most pleasant experience, but it, it, the look was pretty cool. So okay. I enjoyed it. We can do it for Halloween. Halloween, exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> Why not? All right, Mr. Kyle, you're a busy man. I know you just flew in from Washington. You're selling your wine down in our nation's capital. You're back home in New York, yep. and. Um, so great to see you. Thanks for taking the time, and I look forward to seeing you again soon and another glass or two of wine. Oh, I look forward to that. Doug. Thanks for having me on. This is awesome. See you. Cheers. Okay, I knew we were going to have a good time, but I had no idea how much fun this was going to be. Kyle gives everything he's got, whether it's acting, making wine, or recording a podcast. He's a busy guy, and I was glad our paths could cross here in New York. Be sure to check out his Pursued by Bear Wines and, of course, watch for his upcoming roles in films and on television. Thanks for listening again today. If you enjoy these podcasts, please feel free to send an email to podcast at schafervineyards.com with any ideas you may have for future guests or ways to improve what we're doing. Also, please take a moment to rate and review the podcast on iTunes. It really helps other people find the taste. We'll see you next time.